Halloween parties in the 80s were totally lit. Need proof? Just watch this week's movie on the Scary Spirits podcast, Night of the Demons. It's kind of like The Breakfast Club, but with demonic possession instead of detention. Come to think of it, I'm pretty sure Greg had some banger Halloween parties back in the day. I wonder if evil spirits were involved at those shindigs. Or if Greg's unholy aura was enough to keep the party hopping. I guess we'll never really know, because what happens at Halloween parties stays at Halloween parties, even when evil demon possession is involved. Cheers! Welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Please be advised that the presenters may use adult language and or discuss adult situations. This podcast is not intended for younger listeners or those that may be easily offended. So, if you're ready, let's go. Happy Halloween. I'm Greg. It's after Halloween. <laughs> the day after? You're still on the on Just the go roll. With, go with it, Karen. Go. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Karen. And welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast, the podcast that combines the two very different yet highly compatible worlds of scary films and alcoholic spirits. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed. How are you, Karen? On this com- day after Halloween. Coming down from my sugar high. How are you, Greg? I'm okay. Ask ask me next week. It's a little too soon. A little too soon, Karen. Okay. Gotcha. But you had a great time handing out candy. You always do. I'm sure I did, Karen. It's all a blur. <laughs> I need time to settle down <laughs> and, and really reflect on the experience before I can speak to it. Come back to your center. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Was this film my choice? Yes. The film I have chosen, Karen, is Night of the Demons from 1988. And why did you pick this? Well, Karen, obviously, it occurs on Halloween during a Halloween party. It does. And today being... November 1st, if you're listening to this on the day it goes live, it's the day after Halloween. So it's like the walk of shame after Halloween night. Is it? That's what this movie is. There is a teeny tiny bit of it the day after Halloween. There is. So you're right. You're timely. The very end. Yeah. Well, duh, Karen. (laughs) You have a drink to go with it? I do, Karen. Excellent. What is that? The drink I've chosen is called the Possession Punch. Appropriate. So next year, boys and girls, on your Halloween parties, you should make a big bowl of Possession Punch to serve to your guests. Yeah, if your if your party starts to lull a little bit, bring out the Possession Punch. That'll get things going. Yes, would you like to know how to make it, Karen? Of course. So we're going to need one cup of apple juice. One cup of Cointreau, one cup of fresh lemon juice from the bottle, a 12-ounce IPA beer, Karen, and one cup of whiskey. What'd you use? For the whiskey? Yes. 
I finished off my bottle of Maker's Mark. I had almost exactly one cup left. Funny how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told Greg before we started, I did not make this drink because for some odd reason, we did not have beer in the house. There was must have been some... Speaking of the walk of shame, Karen. Some massive the shame. Some massive evaporation thing No beer thing in the happened. house? I know, it's crazy. So as we say here on the Scary Spirits Podcast, you can do you. So I have my gin and tonic ready to go. But before we go further, how many... Do you, do you have a black light, Karen, so it is fluorescent and glowing? No. <laughs> how many servings do you think that makes? I'm not sure. Two or three? Oh, at least. Okay. <laughs> Especially when you put it in a glass filled with ice, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, but if it was in a big punch bowl, well, I guess you could put ice in your in your cup. Yeah. And I was gra- grabbing a ladle with the little tiny cups, little tiny Dixie yes. paper cups, Karen. <laughs> little finger up when you drink it. It just didn't look like that many, but it, you think it would serve? It's... It's Five not people. a lot, really. Like I, I told you, I made it in like a pitcher, right? It's probably mm-hmm. a gallon pitcher. I put some ice in it, not a lot, but it filled about half the gallon. So it's about a half gallon, I guess. So a small soiree. Yeah, very small, intimate Halloween yes. party care. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, if you have other drinks too, you know, oh, it'd be yeah. perfect. You got to have other drinks. You got... And if you need more drinks for your Halloween party, boys and girls, next year, because of course it's too late now, unless you're they having can, one. They can Saturday keep the party going. Yeah, yeah, they can keep it going. We have tons of recipes in our recipe den on our website. But basically, to make the drink, Karen, you add all the ingredients to a batch vessel, it says. <laughs> Ooh, that even sounds possession like. I know. So I used a pitcher. Then you garnish with lemon wheels or. Apple slices. It says lemon. Totally blew that one. I used orange slices, Karen, but whatever. Well, they're just because if you used fresh lemons, you'd have them. I would. But it's got Cointreau in it, which is an orange liqueur. So orange lemons. You be you, Greg. You do whatever you want. It's fine. Then you serve with ice, Karen. And this recipe was from Cointreau.com. So it must be good. Yeah. It is pretty good. Actually, and I'm sure it'll be better once my ice melts. It's very whiskey and lemon forward. Hmm. When I but first that's good. If, if you used a honey whiskey, I bet it'd be really good. Oh, my Whis- God. You know, sh- whiskey, honey, and that. lemon. That'd be good. I don't think I have any honey whiskey. No, I don't. But, you know, hot toddy season is yeah. almost upon us, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go get some. Should we give our friends and listeners time to make their own possession punch? I think we should. Probably give them extra time to find a punch bowl and a ladle (laughs) (laughs) or a pitcher, whatever. Hold on. And we're back. Yes, we are. Might you have a brief synopsis for us? I have the briefest of synopses. Ooh, synopses. Go on. Tell us all a story, Karen. 
wild teenage girls hold a Halloween seance in an old funeral parlor to scare their friends. Go on. That's it. <laughs> Leaves you hanging. We are a match, Karen. So if you're playing bingo, you get a square. <laughs> Where can they find a bingo card, Greg? <laughs> well, if they subscribe to our newsletter, Karen, our monthly newsletter, apparently we're including bingo cards now with every every edition. <laughs> so if I say Karen, for instance, you get a you get a square. If I say we are a match, you may get a square and so on and so forth, Karen, right? I'm just bringing joy, Greg, just bringing joy. You are. I well, added, you know. it's bigger. This bingo card in the October newsletter that just came out this in month. October. <laughs> yes. This last month is bigger than the one that came out in September. Okay. Good to know. So I'm sure, you know, people playing the Karen drinking game, that's, they quickly decided that no i can't do that shit anymore <laughs> right we were we were in, ending up with people in the hospital so we had to move on to a new game so we have bingo cards now in our newsletter subscribe on our website and when you do you'll get the newest edition immediately to download and we won't email you a bunch of crap just one newsletter at the beginning of the month all right karen night of the demons from 1988 tell us what did you really enjoy in this film? I mean, everything I enjoyed. Yeah, everything. Well, I mean, we want to keep it like an hour or so. So, All right, I'll keep it short. Don't go on and on. <laughs> uh, okay. I thought the makeup was good. Reasonable, anyway. Not great, but not terrible. There was some really cool lighting at certain times in the film that I really liked. A couple of photography shots i liked filming things for instance there was some a broken mirror on the ground and each character was reflected i made a note it. right then karen yeah i thought that was good the set i thought was good i mean it's just very dark basically don't really see a lot of it yeah that's part of the issue but it was a creepy old looking house like place but that's good, Karen. That's what I tell myself every year when I'm trying to make my shit perfect. I always say, oh, it'll be dark. No one's going <laughs> to see that. Little exactly. Thing you that can light what you see. want them to see. Oh, Go that's, on. What that's else? Pre that's pretty much it, I think. Really? Yeah. What do you got? You can fill in the rest of the hour. What do you well, got? I agree. The makeup was, it was better than I expected. I mean, I've seen stills. I looked at stills, so I kind of knew what was coming, but. It was better than I expected. There were some nice fake breasts <laughs> when we're talking about makeup. And when that scene came on, I, I didn't know it was going to happen exactly. But I thought, those don't look quite real. But whatever. Yeah, there was no movement. <laughs> Sets were good. I thought it was, in general, it was very fun. I thought it was fun. At one point, I wrote that so one of the characters is dressed as Alice, right? In Alice in Wonderland. Yes. And that's good that you brought it up. And she's yeah. like, quote unquote, the final girl, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very, at some at one point I wrote down, it has a very Alice in Wonderland like feel to it. I agree. I, I thought the clever. same thing. Yeah. I can't remember when it dawned on me, but it did that she was in a world she didn't understand. She, 
and there was a shot where you could just, I think it's a full body shot. You see your head mm-hmm. to toe mm-hmm. and the, everything surrounding her. She's going is, running down the halls and all the doors are closing and things like that. And, and it's wondrous and, and magical kind of, and you're right. That was clever. I will magical. give you that. It was clever. So I'm assuming here that the, the acting was purposely cheesy. I guess, but I thought it was horrible. Well, I think it was on purpose, though. Maybe. Especially, I mean, some were way worse than others, I thought. Yeah. So the girl who played Suzanne has been in many a horror film, Karen. She's at all the conventions and whatnot. So Judy, who was dressed as Alice, the girl who played her is most known for being in the uh, primetime soap opera Dallas Karen, did you watch Dallas back in the late 80s? I watched some of it, but I didn't recognize her. She's most known for being J.R. Ewing's second wife. Oh, I don't think I watched Dallas that long. I think she won like a soap opera Emmy or award or some shit, whatever they give to soap opera people. So I think she was probably a better actor than what she put on in this. Because I think they were purposely trying to be cheesy. Well, okay, then that worked. Cheesy, horny, horny teens. <laughs> That's what I think. So I'm going with that. So I'm going to say the acting was pretty good. I mean, some of the stuff they do, you, you can't you can't see be serious, right? I guess. Anything else, Karen? No, I think it's pretty much what you would expect. So I wasn't extremely disappointed or anything. I mean, there are things that I didn't like Yeah. about it particularly, well, but... So in a word, I'm going to say it was fun. You can use that word. <laughs> I thought it was, it was fun. There were funny parts. It's almost a horror comedy. Almost. I'm not sure it was supposed to be a horror comedy, though. I mean, I know you're going with that, but I'm not sure. But that's why it's become a cult classic, I'm sure. Yeah, but cult classics can become cult classics because they're just terrible. And it's a whole franchise as well. So Exactly. But... So is Leprechaun. <laughs> yes, it you know. Is. So I'm just saying. I think some. I'll try to accept your explanation, but I'm not a hundred percent on board with it. But that's okay, Karen. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, even if they're wrong. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Karen. Tell us. Was there anything, anything at all that you didn't like, or, or no? Well. W- if they were acting purposely campy, then I, I guess I can't really say the acting. Although, again, there were a lot of characters. I think they all were, even down to like mom, who we only saw for like 10 seconds. They were all kind of over the top acting. And I think it was by design. I guess. But the who was it? Max's girlfriend. I thought she she was just like so terrible. That would be so- Helen. No, not Helen, the brunette. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Franny. Franny. Okay. So there were so many of the kids, I couldn't remember who their names. And a lot of times I just said, oh, the blonde girl or the, you know, that's just because I'm old. There were only like, what, 10 of them, I think. There were one, two, three. I have 10 exactly written down. Yeah. So I don't, it's not that bad, but I think one thing that I As usual, like, Karen, I wrote down the- cast names the act the 
characters' names. And then as I figured out who they were, I wrote down next to them what costume they were wearing. So I could oh, who they nice. were. <laughs> there were some inconsistencies in it that I thought were blatantly obvious. And one is kind of minor, but did you notice at the end Max's demon makeup was basically nothing compared to everyone else's? I didn't notice that, but I did notice that all of a sudden he put his uh his smock or his his what are they called? His um shirt, his yeah. scrubs. Scrubs his scrubs back he, he on. He put his scrubs back on with one arm somehow. So I didn't notice that at the end. But he looks more like a zombie than a demon. He's just mm-hmm. I mean, it stood out because he Well, they all most of them look like more like zombies at the end. Yeah, but that wasn't. And then there were some inconsistency character wise with the two remaining characters, Roger and Judy. Judy. At some point, Judy is like so incapacitated by fear that she can't stand up. She can't move. (laughs) Then all of a sudden she becomes the brains and the brawn of the operation and she's going to save every. And then in the next scene, she's too afraid to do anything again. It's like, well. Which is it? Is she, you know, taking charge and powerful or is she a damsel in distress that constantly needs to be saved? There was inconsistencies that way, character wise for me. And some of the characters, I mean, I guess it's 1988. I didn't notice that, Karen. They were a little over the top with like one of the Helen was treated horribly by everyone through the whole movie. She was. We just just called a bitch the whole time. (laughs) I thought for no reason. So, you know, that I think watching it from now versus then, it really graded on me that, you know, they were 1988. You would have thought it was funny, which is a shame, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't think I would have. Well, we couldn't have gotten to the theater to see it because it was rated R, Karen. We we would have had a parent or guardian with us because sure. we were so young in 1988 i don't think i i would have found it funny then but whatever it's fine I, it's <laughs> a minor thing and it was done a lot in these teenage movies back then but it just now it's not as acceptable now especially to me so I'm like what it's like what did she do she didn't do anything it, you know it's not even like she was acting yeah, in a way to get that like sometimes people will, they'll be set up and then you get called the names and everything or whatever. But she was just being a normal, reasonable person. Yeah, I got, I had the same feeling watching it. I was thinking a stooge who keeps calling her a bitch the whole fucking movie. I'm like, when we first meet them, they're in like the front of the car together. And I'm like, are they dating? I thought Why they, they were. being such a dick to her? her? I, was, yeah. I was like. The whole time. Dude. But even the relationship in the even between the brother and sister and mother, that was very common in the 80s to have the smart ass little brother. Where if my brother said shit like that to me when I was that age, I would have beat him. Would, <laughs> like, would yeah. your brother have hidden in, in your closet no. while you were getting dressed and talked about your rack? <laughs> no, not at all. They wanted nothing to do with my rack or lack thereof. <laughs> it's just that's one of those 80s tropes with the smart ass little kid you know i find it more annoying now than i did then i have no little brother so no i cannot comment 
But as I said, I think this movie is what you expect it to be. We will probably argue at the end with what rating we would want to give it, but <laughs> mm. I it's not we'll gonna see. tax your brain. It's not it's you know, it's no, it's I think it's a fun again. I wouldn't party necessarily movie, call it like fun, a Halloween party, have that on and have your possession punch. <laughs> some popcorn and some popcorn and maybe play some parlor games. <laughs> <laughs> Get out the Ouija board. Yeah. Or maybe this will warn you why you shouldn't. Have a seance, you know. All the good fun stuff. <laughs> There's not really a lot I didn't like about it. I didn't care for the music. I'll tell you that. Synthesizers, 80s stuff. Yeah. And some goth music. And they, there was a song that sounded very familiar to me, but it wasn't like they basically ripped off a song. We're not even in the 80s, I think from the 70s, but what it sounded like to me yeah and the credits were exceedingly long in the beginning i thought <laughs> they were and there were a lot of graphics it's like they were showing off their ability to make graphics or something the graphics weren't terrible or any it was fine but it just seemed like it was one name per mm -hmm. i would say slide almost yes. in there so it took a very long time where you thought wow it's still going it's and it in like, my notes i have exactly how long it took Oh, okay. Once we get I just there. <laughs> noticed it was much longer than usual. They didn't have a lot of names. They didn't say actors on one thing. It was like everybody got their own little graphic display. It was yeah. fine. It, it felt it kind of felt like they wanted it to be 90 minutes. So they needed yes. to stretch out the opening and then have the ending credits as well. So, I mean, it, there are parts of it that didn't even need to really be there. Like the whole thing with the little brother. None of that's necessary. They could have done that in like two minutes. He picks her up. Sal does the little thing with the brother, sets that up, and it's done. They could have knocked off another 10 minutes. It's fine yeah. that it's in there, but there's no real purpose for it. Maybe they're trying to appeal to teenage girls in 1988 who have younger brothers. They act like that, Karen. I don't know. There aren't very many that would act like that. Or the, the don't act like that. So that must have makes it funny. I don't know. Most little brothers don't want to talk about their sister's breasts, no matter what. <laughs> Older or younger brothers. Okay. Good to know. Anything else you didn't like? No. That's all I got. Just the music. And it was a bit dark. It's one of those movies that I know I've said it before, but. My mom took us to the drive-in to watch it. There would be entire scenes that you would not be able to see. Yeah, but there, it was very you know. dark. It's very Halloween, though. You could pick a worse film to watch on Halloween. I'm just saying. All right, let's get to it. What kind of cocktail rating you want to give it, Karen? I'd give it a I, four. I was writing three. You think it's four? Yeah, because I don't really buy into that they were doing it on purpose. I mean, I get now we look back on it and, and you know, if my movie had become a cult classic and they said, that's why I'd say, yes, that's exactly why we acted like that. But I don't think they did. I do. And I think we've given movies threes that are much better than this, even if they are being campy. I think it drags a little in the beginning too. Takes a while to get moving. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's a three, no, I'm, I'll go with your four. You picked it. It's your movie. I did. 
I mean, I would fight for my movie if I thought it was a three, but Aaron, I'm but look at some of the threes and you'll see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a hammer film, is it, Karen? Any it's hammer film of, is better. It than reminded it. me of what was the one with the three girls on the Santa with uh-huh. sleigh bells. Sleigh bells. And I sleigh think bells. I picked that one as well. Yes, but sleigh bells was better than this. And that was campy and all that. It had the same kind of elements in it. And I thought it was much better than this. Is it because it had Barry Bostwick in it, Karen? <laughs> no, I think it was the same feel to me, but I just kept that's it. This film reminded me of that one in not not style or anything else. I just kept thinking, wow, this is like sleigh bells. And so that's why I would give it a four instead of a three, because that one, I'm sure we gave a three and that one was much better than this, okay, in my well, opinion. As I said, it has become kind of a cult film because it's very teenage 80s or film. So people of a certain age want like to go back and watch it now, Karen. <laughs> people who were young back in the 80s. Know anyone like that, Karen? Vaguely. <laughs> okay, we'll give it a four. Would you like to hear a review from the Times, Karen? Absolutely, I would. Critics Corner, bring it on. So first I'll say... This has a 42% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not good. It's about four cocktail rating, right? 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. So that's a little better. And 89% of those Google users like this movie. So do you think the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> people and even the IMDb people don't get it? You think it's like me thinking this? they're just terrible but you th saying that ah, but that's how it's supposed to be like i missed it and i didn't get maybe it. maybe because i know i'm just reading here that um like dread central which is a pretty reputable horror film site called it fun and lively bloody disgusting another reputable one praised the release the dvd release calling it the perfect DVD for all fans of this lost era, the 80s horror film. So I don't know. The 80s horror film, I think of Lost Boys, and, and that's just way better. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> but I I think maybe I didn't get it. No, I think you got it. But it's not it doesn't I, have but, the budget of Lost Boys for one. But I didn't, I think I took it too seriously. I was frustrated with kind of how horrible the acting was sometimes i was just like oh this is so bad you know but i think i missed that it's uh similar to nightmare on elm street right humor wise yeah like angela the the main demon or whatever they try to throw in some freddy krueger one-liners you know what i mean yeah there are some funny little punch lines i guess you're right there was one of them that made me laugh. I can't remember yeah. what it was. Nightmare on Elm Street's 1984, and this is 1988. So I'm try. I'm sure they're trying to build off of that in a low budget way. <laughs> but it earned 3.1 million at the U.S. box office, so I'm sure that was less than the budget. So it made money. But anyway, a review from the time. The review I have is from the Washington Post, Karen. 
November 8th, 1988. And this film came out in September. So I don't know what took the Washington Post so long to freaking watch it and review it. Get their shit together. (laughs) It didn't open nationwide at the same time, right? So it opened in September regionally, and then it moved around the country, basically. All right, so I'm pretty much going to read the whole thing. It's not very long. Neither Demons, Washington Post, November 8th, 1988. Richard Harrington is the reviewer, Karen. Oh, good. I like him. (laughs) Night of the Demons opened five days after Halloween, which is about par for this under-budgeted film. A convergence of stereotypes and cliches, Demons sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom and plays like it was conceived in a vacuum. I agree with that. The sound is pretty bad when they're talking the audio. There's no telling what we'll dredge up, especially in this old place, says one, never to get beyond teenage teen. And he could just as well be speaking for the scriptwriter, Joe Augustine, and director Kevin Tenney. The plot brings a bunch of kids to deserted Hull House for a Halloween party. They include squeaky clean Angela and preppy Jay, greaseball Sal. That's not right. No, it's not. It should be Judy. Judy. Yeah. So he's screwed up there. They include Squeaky Clean Judy, a preppy J, Greaseball Sal, Gothic Angela, and her ditzy friend Suzanne. Black preacher son Roger, fat boy Stooge, shy Helen, and sexually provocative Max and Franny. You don't have to be a detective to guess which two will survive. (laughs) And you don't have to be a callow person to feel none of the others will be missed one bit. I guess that's true, because they're not very likable, a lot of the characters. The ads say Jason and Freddy are too scared to come. Though Freddy sent some of his one-liners and Jason some of his gore-mongering techniques. There are two or three decent effects, but they pass quickly. Tenny, whose debut was the disastrous Witchboard... Which we have seen, Karen. You didn't think that was disastrous. I didn't. Does little with so little. And Augustine writes the film's epitaph at the first sign of demonic infestation when he has a character say, We all experience the noise, the stink, and the chill. Well, the stink at least. Night of the Demons is rated R and contains nudity and some extreme gore. That is the end of the review. Not very positive, I would say. Although spot on on some True. points. Yes. <laughs> like I hadn't even read this before. I mentioned Freddie and his one-liners, but pretty obvious. Yeah, and it is a little breakfast clubby with all the different, very defined. <laughs> it that's is. It's a very 80s thing to have very defined groups in high school. Uh-huh. It's very breakfast club, yeah. Pulling each one together and, you know. Throwing it's interesting that they all showed up together without being forced together. True. I hadn't thought but, of that. But that's an 80s thing to be you're in one box and you stay in that box. As you do, Karen. You're still in that <laughs> box, Greg. <laughs> Karen, I'm a Renaissance man. Except see, I went from being uncool. Now I'm really cool, but back then I wasn't. <laughs> We think doing this with me makes you more cool, Karen. Well, of course. <laughs> My street cred goes up so much. I wasn't cool either. Shit, I was. Yes, you were. Shut up. 
I was banned. I was in band or drumline, but outsiders saw it as banned, but I would quickly correct them. No, I'm not in the band. I'm in the drumline, asshole. You weren't in the honor <laughs> society. No, I was not. What let me in, Karen? Apparently you applied I, and applied. <laughs> I hung out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. That application's going to get burned every time. And I may have cost some of my friends membership as well. <laughs> <laughs> or so they tell me now, Karen. I don't know. Oh, now looking back, it was all you. Yeah. Maybe they're just bitter. <laughs> pushing blame. I don't know. All right. Karen, are you ready to get into the film? Dissect it scene by scene and talk about its legacy. And, <laughs> and linger in some scenes longer than others, perhaps. So was that a yes? Let's go. <laughs> Night of the Demons from 1988. Rated R. Did you watch this on Amazon Prime, Karen, or some other streaming service? Or no. do you have a copy of the DVD at home? No, I watched it on Amazon Prime. All right. Well, there's warnings for nudity, violence, frightening scenes, alcohol use, foul language, and sexual content, Karen. Wasn't a ton of alcohol, but a little bit. All the good stuff. And we have credits. And right here I wrote cool animation, Karen. That was pretty good. They spent a lot on the animation. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I'm not sure what percentage of the budget that was, but. Or someone knew someone. Could be. Hey, uh, if you do this for the movie, well, you'll get a some, lot of exposure. Yeah, they found some intern or something. Some right. student. And right here I wrote, I'm not crazy about the music already. Yep, 80 synthesizer <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it sounded like, of course, they didn't compose on their computer. Well, I was going to say they didn't compose on their computers back in 1988. But theoretically, they kind of did because... You're composing on, you're using MIDI, Musical Instrument Digital Interface, boys and girls, for those of you who don't know. You know, I connect your know. keyboard and your drum machine, all the one thing, and you record it on like a four-track MIDI recorder. And so it's basically all digital, electronic. Oh, I thought it was just a Casio. Same, same diff, Karen. Yes. <laughs> then I wrote three and a half minutes later as the film starts. <laughs> so three and a half minutes, Karen. With credits. And we see who we learn is Stooge, drinking and driving. Dressed as a pig. He has a snout. That's all he's got, Karen. <laughs> Not much of a costume. And they drive past an old man and he moons him. Well, he's wearing jack-o'-lantern underpants. Is he? Yeah, he. but I he sticks his butt red. out the window. But they, I no, just it's a, tell. It's a jack-o'-lantern. So in the car is Helen, Stooge, yes. and Roger. Yes, they're going to a party. Roger dressed as a pirate, Helen in a toga, and Stooge, like I said, wearing a pig snout, and that's it. And they torment an old man that's on the street. Yeah, and then another kid runs up to the old man and scares him with a rubber rat. But I wrote, the old man likes Earl Grey tea, so I like him for that. Because <laughs> he drops his groceries and there's Earl Grey tea. I think it's Bigelow Earl Grey tea, which I'm not a big fan of Bigelow tea. But Earl Grey, yeah, it's pretty good. It's good old man tea. <laughs> yes, Karen, it is. <laughs> then a girl tries to help him, and he tells her to get away. Calls her a whore, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls her a whore. And that's who we learn is Judy. 
And she was going to help him. She's a nice girl. She's a nice girl. She's not a whore at all. And then we see he's picking up razor blades and apples. And apparently he's going to put razor blades in the apples and give it to the trick-or-treaters. That'll teach them. They'll all go to hell. They'll get what they deserve. That was a big deal in the 80s. The razors in the apples. I know, but remember your mom was supposed to check your candy. We ate half our candy. Well, th- she did, but I ate half my candy when I was walking around. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to eat anything that the wrapper was slightly torn. <laughs> right, exactly. And then later, mm-hmm. once urgent care started coming around, they would like, I guess they still do. They could bring your candy and they will x-ray it to be sure there's no needles <laughs> or razor blades. Whatever. Myth. Then we see Judy, who was the girl who tried to help the old man. She gets home and... She wants to know if Jay calls, and while she's there, the phone rings, and she says, I'll get it, and it's Jay. They're supposed to go to a Halloween dance, but he says, no, let's go to a party instead. And Judy's talking on the phone as she's changing into her costume, Karen. Yeah, were there more butt cheeks than boobs in this movie? It's close. No, I think there's more boobs. All right. There's a lot of butt cheeks in it. But right here, we see her. we see her bare bottom, Karen. As she's changing into her costume. You, I guess you don't wear underwear with your Alice in Wonderland costume, Karen. Is that the deal? <laughs> or she was Just put the hose it. on. I don't know. Whatever. But Jay convinces her that it will be fun going to the party instead of the dance. Come on. It'll be fun. He's eating vanilla wafers. <laughs> and I used to love those. Oh, my God. Me too. We both thought about vanilla wafers for just a second there. <laughs> I know. There was a pause. Oh, I was yeah. reminiscing. Yeah. I can't eat but, them anymore. No. Nope. So then Judy is scared by her brother. He pops out of her closet wearing a rubber mask. And like I mentioned earlier, comments on her rack. She's in a bra. And she had panties on then. She's in when he pops out. Well, she is a, does she have, she has more than panties. Does she have like a, I don't know. She's got something on. Whatever those those things are you put on your skirts that make them puff out, I think that's what she has on. Oh, crinoline. That's Crinoline. And a bra. Yeah. Very see-through. A very lacy see-through bra, Karen. Yes. (laughs) Which I didn't hate. Then Sal arrives at the house, and he wants to see Judy. Her brother answers the door and tells her that she's going on a date. They're going to a party. And Sal bribes the little brother to find out where the party is. Yeah, he folds for just a dollar. He tells her, tells Sal for a dollar. Because first Sal offered a quarter and he said no. Then he gives him a dollar. And you think a loving brother would sell out his sister for a measly quarter? And I think it was a nickel, he said. Didn't he say a nickel? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, no. My brother (laughs) lost me in a pool game once. So, (laughs) oh. That'd be a story for another time, Karen. <laughs> so then we cut to a convenience store and a girl is bent over. More butt cheeks. But she's got hose. So here's the thing I, I have to ask, Karen. So this girl, she's bending over, right? She has her panties over top of her hose. I didn't even notice, Craig. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> That's not a thing, is it, Karen? I thought she had a garter on, so I thought she had... No, it's hose, because you can see the reinforced crotch area. <laughs> Man, maybe they were just panties. protecting that. I don't know. All right. I thought it was weird. 
But she's bending over and she's distracting the clerks, apparently, while who we learn is Angela shoplifts. Two boys are the clerks. And, and they can't stop looking at her ass. What? And so Angela collects all kinds <laughs> of stuff and walks out. Can you blame them, Karen? Well, I can. Maybe you can't. But she just has a bag and just fills it. She does. Yeah. I mean, and she walks right past them. So that part is unexcusable, right? But not catching her putting shit in the bag is not unexcusable. And we learn that Suzanne is the girl bending over. So then Jay arrives at Judy's house to pick her up, and Mom offers Jay some fudge logs, Karen. Yep. They look delicious to me. I'd eat them. I would have taken one. I don't know what. <laughs> they're supposed to look like poop, but I would they, eat them. They are. They're supposed to look like poop. And they kind of do. And he declines. But if you're at a girlfriend's house or picking up a girlfriend and the mother offers you something, you take it. Oh, yeah. I like, take it. Yeah. You don't refuse it. That's rude. Yeah. Or even the other way around. I'm saying yeah. if a parent of the person you're dating offers you, unless you're allergic or something like, oh, I can't eat peanut butter or whatever. You just, at least you take it. Even if you don't eat it, you take yeah. one. Especially if mom's kind of hot. Yeah, she was cute. <laughs> but it's just etiquette. You want to get in good graces so you don't make yourself look rude. Well, I'm not sure this guy really fucking cares. No, he doesn't. That He's just, he's not likable. Yeah, he's the preppy dude, and I don't really think he really cares about Judy at all, Karen. Just no, saying. I don't think so either, Greg. <laughs> but they try, he tries to kiss Judy in the house, and she's like, no. Yeah, she says no. So he tries to kiss his face with Judy. She tells him to slow his roll, Karen. Basically, <laughs> what I yes. wrote. And then we cut the stooge and the others in the car. Whatever, they're just being dumbasses driving around. Yeah, but he does have Helen take the wheel. And because there's a straight seat in the front of his car, they can slide over each other. Like he goes over the top and she slides under back when you could do that. You can't do that easily anymore. No. And we see Jay and Judy and they're picking up Max and Helen, right? Yes. In Jay's. No, not Helen. Helen's yeah, in are. the car. No, Helen's in the car with. Oh, yeah. They're picking up Max and Franny. Yes. In Jay's 1966 Mustang, Karen. Yep. Two-door coupe. I wrote, looks like a 65 or a 66, but I... I thought it was a 66. I verified it's a 66. Karen? I actually have some facts about Mustangs for you. I'm, but... I'm pretty sure you've been in a 1966. Maybe not. I know you've been in a 1965 Mustang for sure. <laughs> <laughs> been, been in both, Greg. All right. Well, wow. I know. Lucky you. Actually, any, yeah. Any idea what a 1966 two-door Ford Mustang coupe went for brand new? Two-door two Mustang coupe. Back brand, brand new. new. 1966. The manufactured suggested retail price is what I'm looking for, Karen. 2800 uh Wow, that's pretty good. What was it? Twenty-five, twenty-two. Oh, I went over. A little Idiot. over. Little over. It's a lot better than I would have done, Karen. <laughs> I'll tell you that. All right, Karen. What do you think you could buy that vehicle for now? You give me a price, I'll tell you where you're at in the low, mid, and high. <laughs> well, I'm guessing they're expensive. They can be. 
Uh, I'm going to say 30,000. You are just a little above the mid-range. Okay. Mid-range is $28,100. I went over again, though. You did. You always go over. Because you always have a fancy one with an yes, FM I radio. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> an air conditioning. <laughs> I'm not even sure it was an option. No, now, but... Well, you tell me, Karen. You've been in one. Was there air conditioning? No. Ooh, it was hot and steamy, was it? Yes, usually it was. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. Thanks for listening to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Karen and I really have a great time putting these episodes together. If you enjoy what you hear, please consider taking the time to leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews really help independent podcasts find listeners. The more listeners we have, the easier it is for people to find us. Now, back to the show. So then, Jay Wait, and Judy... wait, wait, but I have Mustang facts for you. Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, do tell. I'm, yeah, you've been in one, so tell me all about it. <laughs> well, that doesn't have anything to do with that. I've been in a 65. I'm not sure I've been in a 66. Was that one hot and steamy, or were you just, you know, cold? No. And... Yeah, I was, I was cold. So I, I saying, don't turn on the seat heater. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. So these are just general Mustang facts, not necessarily for the 1966 Mustang. But do you know what the three the 350 stands well, for? Well, I owned a Mustang, Karen. So I've been in other Mustangs. Do you know on. what the 350 stands for in the GT350? The displacement or some shit? You would think it would be something like that, right? Yeah. It's the amount of steps it took to walk from the Ford production <laughs> shop to the racing shop. That's Do you know bullshit. what the original name, one of the original names in the running for the Mustang was? Some of them even have the, were produced with that logo. Mm. A pony? No, it was a cougar. Oh, there were cougars. I'm sure you've been in a cougar too. <laughs> okay. I don't no. think so. Yeah, no. uh, I don't know. I think, well, no, probably not. <laughs> Lee Iacocca was basically the inventor of the Mustang. So the Ford model was the Mustang. The Mercury model was the Cougar. But they were going to call the Mustang the a Cougar. But they're basically the same. Before they settled on Mustang. Yeah, just like you have the Ford Comet and the Mercury Mavic. Maverick. They're the same, or they were. Same so apparently there's stuff. there's a Maverick now that's a pickup truck. But back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, boys and girls, there was a Ford Comet and a Mercury Mag Maverick. And they were the same vehicle. So that's that's what auto manufacturers do. So you had the Ford Mustang and the Mercury Cougar. And Lee Iacocca, who I just said invented the Mustang, claims that the Mustang emblem runs to the left because it runs free in opposite direction of a racehorse. But the real reason was likely because the designer was left-handed, Phil Clark. And one of the original designs for the horse and corral on the Mustang's front grill had only the horse head rather than the running horse we know today. Yeah. So that's more than you ever wanted to know about Mustangs. No, it is not, Karen. <laughs> not to me. I love Mustangs. Someday I'm going to own a 1986 Mustang, just like the one I had. But moving on. So Jay and Judy 
are driving and they see Stooge and the others. I guess they've got a flat tire or some shit, but they keep on driving. Yeah, they make fun of them and pass them and leave them there. Which, again, makes them all unlikable. Only Judy says, oh, maybe we should have helped them. The rest of them don't even care. Then they arrive at Hall House, which apparently is a formal funeral home, Karen. And they talk about the history of the building. Max is full of facts. He is. He's very studious, Karen. Yes, he is. That's why he's dressed like a doctor. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The legend was that the whole family had a terrible end. One of the family members went crazy and slaughtered everybody and then committed suicide, but nobody could figure out who did it because there was so much blood and guts around. And Judy's not thrilled to be there when she hears this. And I did make a note. There is, of course, a full moon. Hmm, Didn't notice. So then Sal pops up from a casket and scares them. They're inside the funeral home at that point. Yeah, and I think Max drops his cores and Sal picks it up and drinks it. Which is the only real alcohol in the whole thing. But before that, we we should mention... Yeah, I guess they do start drinking later. Before they go in the funeral home, Max is dressed as a doctor and he has a stethoscope and he calls Judy over and they listen to the ground and underneath the ground, there's a running stream. And then there's a wall built right on the stream. So that tells you where the stream is. So they say that the evil spirits in the area can't go over running water. So they can't go past the wall. Ah, I do remember something about that. <laughs> I don't remember the stethoscope, but I remember them talking yeah, about running Yeah, he had water. her listen with the stethoscope. And it was probably when I was looking up the 66 Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> so then Angela, Suzanne, and the others arrive. Then they begin to dance to a song which is very similar to, I think, the song Burn by Deep Purple. Are you familiar with Burn by Deep Purple Karen? <laughs> when they're playing that song, up until it started singing, because that kind of ruined it, but the instrumental part was very much like Burn. And then we see Suzanne warming her ass by the fire, I wrote Karen. <laughs> and then one of them turns on a strobe light. Yeah, I tried dance. to look up. And I think, ooh, look, look, it's like I'm moving in slow motion. <laughs> it is cool. Strobe lights are cool. But effect is lost in a film, like because right, you couldn't really lights, see it. Right, right. <laughs> they couldn't really see it. They dance, and I wrote they're drinking cores and strows. Karen, yes, they are drinking. Then I forgot about that. Couldn't really see the strows label, but you could see the S. And I'm like, oh, that's strows. <laughs> well, strows is the Detroit beer, apparently. For some reason I thought it was a Cincinnati beer. Then Jay ditches Judy and starts dancing with Suzanne because, you know. Because she distracts him. While they're dancing, Judy is off near the snack table, I guess she would call it, trying to light some candles. And Angela comes up behind her and lights them with a match. She has a match. Judy's trying to use the Bic and it won't work. It won't work. And then. True. She puts it down on the table. I almost made a note because I bet that's going to be important later. Yes. But I didn't. (laughs) And Angela says, well, don't leave it on the table. You're messing up the spirit's home or something. 
And Judy doesn't know whether to believe her. She's trying to scare her a little bit, but she does keep, she picks up the bick and keeps it. So it's not out to disturb the spirits. Then while they're dancing, the music dies. I guess the batteries are dead and the boom box or whatever. Because back in the day, boys and girls, we didn't have cell phones. We could play music on whenever we wanted. We went through a lot of batteries. We went through a lot of C and D cell batteries yes. with our big boom boxes. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously this place has no electricity. You couldn't plug it in. So how'd they get the strobe light to work? Those have can have batteries too. Uh, the one she was holding looked like one that plugged into a wall to me. Well, it probably did, but... All right, so then, since the music dies, Angela wants to play some games. Let's have a seance. Yeah, do you know what... You know what a seance is? Of course, it's an attempt to communicate <laughs> with spirits. But do you know Of where, course! But do you know where the word comes from? I do not, Karen. Well, it's the French word for session. From the old French to sit. So in English, well, you could basically use se seance like I sat at at the movies. It just means to sit in French. But in English, the word came to be used specifically for a meeting of people who are gathered to receive messages from ghosts or listen to a spirit medium discourse with or relay messages from spirits. It's <laughs> This is funny. In modern English usage... Participants need not be seated while engaged in a seance, <laughs> in case you were wondering. You don't have to sit down. <laughs> Good. Good to know, Karen. Then Stooge and Roger find a big full-length mirror that they can use for their past life seance, because apparently that's part of it. You have to look in a mirror. And they all have to look in it. To see who they've been in a past life. Yes. So they're looking in the mirror, and it goes dark, and Helen sees a demon in the mirror and she screams and it falls and breaks, Karen. And right here I wrote, nice shot of the fractured mirror. Yes. <laughs> Which you mentioned earlier. So we see a fractured mirror all with in, all their face all their faces and each one's in a different piece of glass. Yeah, it's pretty good. Then they hear knocking coming from the basement. And we cut down there and I wrote the demon escapes question mark. Because I'm yeah, not really sure. Then they all notice like a breeze and a foul smell and Suzanne opens her mouth and the demon enters her, I wrote. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're, it, it's pretty accurate or at least consistent with what people say would be happening. You, It gets very cold. There's a sulfur smell. You know, it, they went through normal things that would be suggestive of at least a spirit i don't know a demon but suzanne is very she's always putting on lipstick 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 for this girl and so she her she's mouth always is, looking at her compact yes and her mouth was open because she was putting lipstick on and the demon went right in as they do then angela explains that the smell and the cool breeze and everything they have experienced is a sign of demonic possession yeah because they also smell roses so there's more than one demon there and angela explains to them the difference between a haunted house and a house that is possessed no ghost just possessed yeah haunted means that people have died and their ghosts stay there possessed means the entities that are there have never lived in human form they're pure evil so they're demons 
Roger and Helen decide they're going to leave. We're going to get the hell out of there. Roger was like, I'm out. I'm a preacher's kid. He's the son of a preacher man. He knows what's going on. His dad told him all about this. He needs to leave right now. And Suzanne throws them Angela's car keys because they need a vehicle to get out. Apparently. I don't know why they couldn't walk, but whatever. Well, they're miles from the town. Then Jay and Judy and Helen and Max separate from the others. So the two couples kind of go off. Going to look for some private spaces, Karen. Investigate. (laughs) Then Suzanne asks Stooge to go with her to find the bathroom. Sal volunteers. Sal offers. Yeah, but no, he's rejected. But before she leaves, she gives Angela a big sloppy kiss, Karen. The flames roar in the fireplace when that happens. So Stooge and Suzanne find the bathroom. We cut back. Just goes in. Yeah, we and we cut back to yeah. Stooge says, well, I thought we could go in together. <laughs> no. And then we cut back to Jay, Max, Helen, and Judy. And Max, being the studious person he is, he's telling them the history of the area that he learned from the librarian. <laughs> yeah, about Indian tribes in the area and how that land would, was never settled on because they knew there was something wrong with it. But one brave did. And when they found him. Three weeks later, he was sitting under a teepee made out of his wife's intestines and eating the leg of his child. Well, he used squall and papoose, but yes. He did. (laughs) So then the couple split up. Jay's giving Max the head shake, like, get out. (laughs) And Jay tries to make the moves on Judy, but she is not comfortable in such a creepy place, Karen. Yeah, it would be a weird place. She to just do wants to be held. Just yeah. hold me. <laughs> and he's not happy about that. Then we see Roger and Helen, and they can't find their way out. The building <laughs> appears to be surrounded by a brick wall. The gate is missing. And then suddenly Helen disappears. And Roger hears his name called, and he runs to the Angela's car and locks himself in. And I wrote, there's an Exodus sticker on the win- window, Karen. She knows there he that. is. Is that a- is there a band? Is that a band? Exodus Cairn was a band, a thrash metal band formed there in 1979. Go. Some of its most fa- famous members, actually, Gary Holt, guitar player, is the only member who's played on every Exodus album. And he currently plays, I guess, in Exodus and Slayer. Hmm. And uh, Kirk Hammett, Verd Kirk Hammett, Karen, you know who he is from Metallica? Metallica, yeah. A little band called Metallica. He was in Exodus before he joined Metallica. So, yeah. Fresh metal, Karen. So then we see Jay and Judy, kissy face, and I guess she, she's done being held. <laughs> or he's done with it. And apparently Jay thinks that Judy has had sex with Sal, so he thinks that she's easy. Is that the deal here? And that's why he went out with her. So once he learns that She's not. He just leaves and locks her in the room. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He's like, uh, he has no need for her anymore, so he leaves her. Peppies. Then we come back to Stooge and Suzanne. And I wrote, Suzanne begins to turn. Stooge enters the bathroom and finds a broken mirror. But no Suzanne. Cut to Angela and Sal. And the music, le- music suddenly turns back on the boombox, Karen. Angela dances in front of the fireplace and then the strobe light comes back on. So she's 
dressed as Susie Sue. Oh, is she? Yeah, that's what I found, which I thought it was she was just like a witch or something. I did which... too. I was I didn't I didn't mark what she I would say Judy's the main character, but Angela is the only character in every film in the franchise. Oh, okay. But Angela, and she's played by Amelia Kincaid, who mm-hmm. choreographed her own mesmerizing possessed moves. Ooh. She becomes host to an evil spirit. In the midst of being overcome, the boombox kicks on abruptly to blast out Bauhaus's Stigmata Martyr is the name of the song. It was bad, whatever it is. Well, it's it's <laughs> apparently a very famous goth anthem-like thing. If you're a goth person, I guess you would know this song and this band. And I probably pronounced it wrong, but... Sound like there was some backmasking in it. I'll say that, but whatever. Yeah. But she dances. I don't, it's not even, I guess it's seductively, but there's more butt cheeks you get to see. Yeah. Well, she, you know, lifts her dress and we see her panties and garter belt and all that shit. Right. It's a thong. Yeah. And she's breathing heavily and putting her hands all over herself, but she's not paying any attention to Sal. She's just like dancing. Like, ooh, I have a body. <laughs> yeah, and then Stooge arrives, and Sal warns him that, dude, she's He's, acting weird. <laughs> yep, don't go near her. But Stooge is like, oh, no, I'm totally into weird, and he begins dancing with Angela. <laughs> yeah, they start slow dancing, and Sal leaves. And then they kissy face, and Angela bites his tongue off. <laughs> and then spits it out at him. Then we cut back to Sal and he finds Suzanne. He tells her that she and Angela are too weird for him. Angela's putting lipstick on her face and Sal leaves. Sal looks like Luke Perry. Do you know who he is? Yes, I know who Luke Perry is. Looks and acts like him, kind of, or channels him or something. So then Suzanne pulls open her top after Sal leaves and exposes her bare breasts, Karen. Are you going to count those? I guess in the beginning they are they are real before yep. he and we see him again. And then we cut to Helen and Max. They find a coffin to have relations in because you know I've never done that before. Get back to Suzanne putting lipstick on her breasts. And right here I was thinking, those don't look quite real. They're good, but not quite real. <laughs> yeah, like it's a mask. And she shoves the lipstick. Into her nipple. It's weird. So she's drawn all over herself. The lipstick's all over her face and her breasts now. Pink. Then Jay finds her. And Suzanne unzips Jay's pants. Karen. Go back to Sal. And he's telling Angela he's leaving. Angela at the fire. With her hands in the fire. On fire. <laughs> he just says I was just warming my hands in the fire and she turns around and shows him and her hands are basically on fire and all blistered Sal tries to leave but he can't all the doors are locked then we come back to Roger in the car asleep apparently see but car- you fallen asleep no no the car shakes and he wakes up he finds that Helen's body is on top of the car she go he thought it was stooge but then the He's trying to see out the windshield. He didn't get out of the car, which was a good move. But then Helen kind of slides down the windshield all bloody. 
Then we cut back to Jay and Suzanne getting naked. Yeah, Jay's over Judy already. And yep. she Suzanne has those little Madonna Bobby socks on that people used to wear with high heels. And then we have full frontal nudity here, Karen, with yeah. Suzanne. <laughs> no surprise, but yes. You're kind of doing one of those can-can dances with no panties on. <laughs> then I wrote they have relations. In the middle of relations, Suzanne turns and gouges out Jay's eyes. Says, yeah. quit looking at me. Stop looking at me. And, and she has real bad teeth now. <laughs> <laughs> and does. contacts, like yellow eyes or something. So then we cut back to Franny and Max in the coffin. Yeah, they heard Jay scream. And we see two more bare breasts, Karen. So when Franny, she kind of sits up in the coffin and you see her breasts. Made me think about breast implants, Greg. Did it? Yeah, I don't think those are real. You don't? Mm-mm. Too round. Okay. But do you want to know when the... You think Suzanne's looked real? Her real ones looked real? <laughs> More. I mean, her faked ones looked like her real ones, but did her real ones look real? Yeah. More real than... It's 1988, Karen, where there are a lot of breast implants going on in 1988. There were, Greg. 87 or 6. Actually, the first boob job was performed in 1895, was but it, it was done. It was, was it done a reduction by, or a? No, it, it's more reconstruction. It was done by a surgeon named Vincent Cerny. He removed the tumor from a woman's breast and then to keep them looking symmetrical, he placed fat into the breast, which mm. was extracted from the thighs of, of that woman. So it was more a reconstruction, but it was interesting yeah. All these different things they've tried. And I'm guessing they were used both for augmentation, but also for reconstruction. Paraffin and Vaseline injections, fat from the lower back, a benign fatty tumor, a lipoma, can be re- was removed from the lower back and placed in the breast. Here's things that just I thought were ridiculous. In the 1900s, these things were tried. Ivory. Glass balls, ground rubber, <laughs> ox cartilage, wool, polyethylene chips, sponges, foam sponges, polyethylene tape that was wound into a ball. Well, Karen, you just keep throwing things at the wall and see what see what sticks. It's just crazy. <laughs> we gotta but have good breasts. I don't they know. started with silicon when they would inject that in. But then that turned bad, and then silicon breast implants turned bad. So now they're mostly saline, in case you were wondering. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, but, that sounds familiar to me, Karen. Yeah, I did. hers did not look natural to me. Brannies. Yeah. Maybe not. She's awfully young. I'd be surprised if uh, she really she had a... I mean, she ain't a teenager. Well, she She's was playing a teenager, to... but she ain't a teenager. So anyway, got a little sidetrack there. Un- understandable, Karen. Then Stooge arrives and breaks Franny's neck. Right off the bat. Yeah. He's all turned. He's all turned now. Yeah. He doesn't just walk in as himself. He's got the demon look. She gone. And then he like pounds the coffin down on Max's arm repeatedly until it severs. So he bleeds out. And he gone. I'm sure he bleeds out. Yeah. So then Angela finds Roger. He runs away. And he runs into Sal and warns him. Then we see Stooge trying to open the door where Judy is. 
Sal and Roger find Judy and Sal kicks in the door and Judy hugs him. So do you think Sal is the most, well, it's probably not the most likable, but he I kinda, thought he, he might make it to the end. Himself, yeah. He's right? trying to save her. Um, he's a total douche throughout the whole movie until, but in the end, he's a good dude, right? Yeah. He's just kind of a, he's like the tough guy. Who's a sweetheart. He's almost what, if you were going to put him in the box, what do you call it? The greaser or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the, but he has the heart of gold. <laughs> yes. He's gruff, but lovable. So then Angela arrives, Judy and Sal lock themselves in the room. The lights come on and they find they are in the same room as Suzanne and Jay. Yeah. So this is where, isn't all the doors are closing and. Mm-hmm. So Sal tells Judy to run. And Suzanne goes after Judy, but Sal tries to stop her. And she throws Sal through a window. Okay. And then all the doors in the house start to close. Judy finds herself in the room with Max's severed arm. It grabs Judy's ankle. And right here, I wrote nice effect. I mean, that was pretty, I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And it burns her lower leg. Then the coffin opens and Max and Helen go after Judy and she runs out of the room. Go back to Sal. He appears to be okay. He's in an air shaft, and he hypothesizes that there is no way out. He's like one of these characters that verbalizes what he is thinking so we know what's going on, right? Then Judy finds Roger, but Stude's intercepts. Well, he's going to climb out with a water pipe, he says. Thank God for water pipes or yeah, something like Stooge that. Stude stops him. She runs away and runs into to Suzanne, and then she runs away again. This is maybe when the Alice in Wonderland thing starts occurring to me. I said it a little. <laughs> I said it a little earlier. Yeah, I probably did too. So then we see Judy on the roof, and Roger tries to warn her about Angela, who's up there too. But Angela grabs Judy. Sal arrives and attacks Angela, and Sal and Angela fall off the roof, and when Judy is hanging there from the roof. Yeah, and that's where she says, I can't do it. I can't do it. And Roger's like, just do it. You have to scoot down a few feet. And, you know. So Roger tries to talk Judy through getting out of her predicament. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Judy's a wimp. Because earlier when I think Sal had her and he's like, when they got out of the room, when she got out of the room, he's like, run, run. And she's just like collapses to the floor and says i can't i can't and now she's doing the same thing i can't i can't i'm like what save yourself sister maybe the alice in wonderland costume is prohibiting her from running so then stooge arrives and judy falls on top of roger from the roof sort of catches her but not really no not at all but she, he, he breaks her breaks fall. Her fall. Yeah. <laughs> but she falls on top of him. So then they run away from Stooge. Angela stops them. They run away again. They end up locking themselves in the crematorium. Sal falls off the roof. There's already a tombstone with his name on it. It says Sal Marone or something, whatever his birthday is. 1970 it says, was his birthday. I didn't remember. It says that. today. Today like, was his. Death day. So he's impaled. Apparently he fell on a piece of wood or something. He's impaled. 
Yeah, I thought maybe he was going to make it. And then I saw that and I'm like, no, he's nope. not. He gone. And then Roger and Judy share a moment I wrote. Are they laughing or crying? I couldn't tell. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly what they're doing. They laugh and then they start crying. More Roger than Judy. But Judy finds a door and wants to get out. But Roger wants to pray first, Karen. Judy says she's been praying all night. She just wants to go. Yeah, it's not working. Judy opens the door and finds that is where the bodies are burned. Yeah, the oven. The oven. The crematorium area, I guess. Because she finds a skull in it. So she that's does. not a way out. So then Stooge and Angela arrive and they try to break in to where they are in the crematorium. And then Judy figures out, Karen, that the demons cannot go back to hell because it's Halloween. Yeah, now all of a sudden... <laughs> She's the smart one. She's going to know if they just make it to the morning, just they'll have be to okay. make it till morning and then we'll be fine. But the hinges on the door begin to fall apart here. <laughs> the demons are getting in. I will say, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Angela is the main demon, I would say. And when she moves through the house, it's almost like well, she's it's her party. A, it, yes. It's almost like she's on a Roomba. Like she's supposed to be floating. Did you mm -hmm. notice that? No. She doesn't walk. She floats. So she, and every time my notes are like, Angela's on her Roomba. Angela's on her Roomba because she's floating. I'm sure it wasn't that because they weren't around then, but something is making Segway. her move. They weren't around then either, probably. 1988. I don't know. But anyway, she floats when she moves, which is kind of a cool effect. Then Judy gets into the oven and she separates a pipe. She's looking for a weapon. She says, we need a weapon. We need a weapon. And then she breaks the pipe and realizes gas is coming out. And she tries to flick her bick <laughs> to yes. try to ignite it. Which I look, try to, what do most crematoriums use for gas? And it's natural gas. Is it? Yeah. Sometimes they'll use diesel oil, but obviously this was natural gas. So. Well, right here, I was thinking, if there's a flint in that bick, that gas is going to ignite. doesn't matter if you get a flame or not. That's what I yeah, was thinking. And, so, and she's holding the pipe. Yes. And she lights Holding the, the pipe in one hand and flicking her bick with the other. <laughs> and once that fire starts, I would assume that pipe would get really hot. I don't know. It's not. She, she can hold it. The fire is not going into the pipe, right? Because it needs oxygen. So it's. It would go in a little bit. Okay. I think it would warm the pipe. Then I mean, when, when we see explosions, they light it at one end, the whole freaking house goes up. In the movies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Stooge and Angela enter, and she torches them with the gas from the pipe. So apparently, but yes, but there's it high lit tension just in time. Yes, because she's flicking, 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 just flicking, like flicking. And like I said, if there was flint in there making a spark, that gas would ignite. Yes. But that flashes back to when she was trying to light the candles. Karen, so, you know, that's how a big lighter works. <laughs> you flick the flint and hold down the thing so the gas lights from the flint spark. Okay. Just so we know how a big lighter works. I did not have that on my bingo card. <laughs> so then Judy tells Roger to find the valve to turn off the gas. And reluctantly, he does. Yeah, he's almost <laughs> comatose or something. And then a skeleton arm 
grabs Roger from inside the oven and all the doors in the building begin to shut again. I don't know how they're shutting again because they're already shut once, but whatever. And then Roger and Judy try to get out, but all the doors are locked. And then Jay, Angela, Sal, and Helen, and Franny, I guess, they all they all converge on them. They're all like zombified or demons or whatever. Roger jumps out a window and miraculously he just gets out. I'm like, why didn't they do that earlier? Yeah, and I thought he was like jumping out like a second story window or something. But no, he gets up and says, I'm alive. Well, duh. Because Judy just like walks right out. It's like ground level window. Whatever. Oh, here, here's one. Okay, so this this is with the one zinger that I wrote down. So Jay comes towards Judy. And I was wondering where he was. I was like, oh, there he is. And then someone says, what's the matter, Judy? Don't you like your blind, blind date? date? Yeah, Angela <laughs> says that. Was she burned, mom. though? Who was burned down in the... Angela? Who came in with Stu- Stooge? Was it? Uh, Angela. Stooge and so, Angela, I wrote. So she was fine after she got burned? I guess so. Well, she comes back I mean, later, so... Stooge is there, too, but he's obviously burned. I don't think she was, though. I don't think she well, was. I didn't, I didn't pay Maybe she attention. Was. I don't know. So then they try to climb up the brick wall using apparently barbed wire that's been left there for them to climb up. Yeah, it's just the <laughs> one piece that's hanging there. How convenient. So Roger gets to the top and tries to pull Judy up. And this is where she goes, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. I'm like, you just burned demons. You can do it. <laughs> Stooge and the others arrive and grab Judy's feet and they try to pull her down. Roger loses his grip and falls down the other side of the wall. There's no way five demons pulling her in one direction and Roger trying to pull her over. The demons are going to win. We see Judy hanging on the barbed wire as the demons try to pull her down. Roger gets back on top of the wall and puts his hand down and grabs Judy and pulls her up. And they fall on the other side of the wall. Then all the demons go up in smoke, Karen, just like the Cheek Chong movie. Well, because the sun came up, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the sun's coming up. So the froggy's fog comes out and they all dissolve. And then we see the demon head above the wall and it collapses upon itself. And then we see the sunrise. So I suppose that's why, but it's not in order. So then we see Judy and Roger walking home the next morning. They pass the old man getting his paper. He says, they were all rotten hell. Just now getting home. Get off my lawn. <laughs> so the man goes inside his house and his wife serves him some pie. For breakfast, yes. Some apple pie for breakfast, Karen. That's the best. Pie for breakfast. And she tells him that they didn't get as many trick-or-treaters as usual, so she used the apples that he bought for the trick-or-treaters. She doesn't know why he buys so many. Yeah, because kids don't go to a house that give out apples. So his neck starts bleeding. Apparently he's eating apple pie with razor blades in it and he gone. The whole razor blade that he didn't notice was in his mouth right? and cuts through his neck and he bleeds, bleeds out. And he does not hold still. No, he doesn't. And she just kisses his top of his head and says, happy Halloween. Do you think she did it on purpose? Hell yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> did she say happy Halloween, dear? She did. Is that what she said, dear? Well, I don't know if she said dear. She said yeah. happy Halloween. And then on credits, the end. Anything we learned today, Karen? 
this was one, this one was a stretch. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to, well, I say that more often than not, but we got, what did we get? 66 Mustang. Tell us some facts about the Mustang and the Cougar. Mustang's facts. Seance that Angela was dressed up as Susie Sue. So we got Susie Sue in there and what the song was that she danced to, which was a goth kind of anthem, stigmata martyr. A little bit about breast implants and a tiny bit about what gas they use in crematoriums. You got some Exodus info in there. Okay. How did you enjoy your gin and tonic, Karen? Was it good? I do enjoy a gin and tonic. My you possession dr- punch has evaporated. The whole pitcher or just the one drink? Just one drink. I got more. It's got fizz though, so you can't you can't wait too long on it. Mm. You know? You might be able Whatever. to bottle it. You could no. bottle it, but no, I'm not bottling it. I ain't got time for that. I but could, but I ain't got time for it. But I don't think you can store it in the refrigerator unless you like flat beer. It's a punch. Yeah, but there's beer in it. It'll be fine. I'm sure you'll suffer through it. I'll let you know next week okay. how it was, Karen. <laughs> I'll text you every time I have a drink. Say, like, yep, still fine. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> or, no, it's a little flat today. I'm missing the fizz from the IPA. Still is the IPA flavor, but not the fizz. <laughs> the flavor is probably more intense. All right. Well, the possession punch was delicious. That's all I can say. After it, the ice melted, it got better. Oh, yeah, for sure. As it usually does. It's not so biting or smoother, I guess, is the term I'm looking for. All right, Karen, next film. I believe it must be your choice since this was my choice. Is that true? It or am I true. doing two in a row? Nope, it's my <laughs> choice. Okay. And what film have you chosen for us next week? I have chosen the 1963 movie, The Terror. The Terror from 1963 starring Jack Nicholson. Boris Karloff, right? Is it Boris Karloff or Bela Lugosi? It's Boris Karloff and Jack Nicholson, right? I do have a drink, Greg. You do? Yeah. <laughs> what would that be, Karen? It's called the Black Widow Cocktail. What are we going to need for that? Because you're going to need blackberry juice. Which you can make with a half a tablespoon of lemon buy juice. It. Just go to the store and, and a half it. a cup of blackberries. I don't know if they'd have blackberry juice. Yeah, do they? you can find blackberry juice. I'm sure. You're going to need one ounce of simple syrup, four ounces of blackberry juice, and two ounces of vodka. Some ice and some blackberries for garnishing. Okay, I got all that. Even the blackberries for garnish. Just throw it all in a cup and stir, and garnish with the blackberries. And if you could get a hold of some dry ice, use it just before serving. Okay. I look forward to that, Karen. You want to know why I picked it? The film? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you pick this film, Karen? Why would you pick The Terror? Because it premiered. This premiered on November 8th, which is when the podcast that we record for it will come out. Um, 60 years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. 60 years ago. Yep. See a baby Jack Nicholson. Never, not a big fan of his. So, and that's like his first film or something. I think so. Okay. Anyone you need to thank this week, Karen? I'd love to thank our listener. There's a lot of podcasts out there. 
Thank you for spending time with us. What about you, Greg? Who do you need to thank? Once again, Karen, I need to thank the band Verse 13 for providing all the music in the Scary Spirits podcast. The music definitely makes the podcast better. Anything else, Karen? Please drink responsibly. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. Want to keep in touch? Check out our website, scaryspirits.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scary Spirits Podcast. Find us on YouTube at Scary Spirits Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at scaryspirits.com. To help us grow the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, we really do appreciate your support. And as always, please drink responsibly. Thank you.